I have a question to ask. Has anybody ever been to one of the U.S. Mints? Yes. What was the most impressive thing for you? <laughs> All right. How many of y'all been to the to the to the coin mints? There's there's six of them. Only I think only three of them or two of them print currency or print the coins. Did you get to see the uh, the the dies? Where at? That's cool. They give you free samples. <laughs> so I, I've been I've been researching this stuff. Uh, my father-in-law collects coins, and uh, uh, so he's got he's got a pretty sizable collection of coins. What's that? And Mia collects coins. So if anybody wants to give coins to Mia, uh, I collect coins that I can spend. Uh, so if anybody wants to give those to me, you know. Uh, no. Uh, uh, so I, I started researching. Uh, because of something that I came upon in, in my devotions, I started researching what it was to, to, uh, to mint a coin, what it takes to mint a coin, and then like the history of minted coins and stuff like that, uh, because I chase rabbit trails, because I'm ADD like that. So I come across something, and, and I go off on that journey. And so that took me about two or three days of looking. Uh, and it all came from a passage in First Thessalonians. And uh, it's pretty neat. I found out some, some interesting stuff about... Uh, the mint, uh, the mints here in the in the United States, um, and that's one of the, my my bucket lists. I want to go to see where they strike the coins. Okay, and it's not like they have them up and they're like hitting the coins, but uh, that's that's the name for for what they use to to and then imprint the image on the coin. Okay, those uh those metal pieces that that press the coins are called dies, and I found out that depending on the currency, depending on 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 the coin. Uh, the, the presses exert either anywhere from 35 tons of pressure to 100 tons of pressure. And, and so 100 tons of pressure, if you're like, okay, what's 100 tons of pressure? That's like having, uh, what I figured it out, it's like having 14 full-grown African elephants stand on, a, on an inch size circle. That's, uh, that's a lot of pressure, all right? Um, and so, uh, and, and not only that, but, but I always thought that it was just like, you know, they'd strike the coins, like, gah, gah, gah. those things go fast. And uh, 720 coins a minute they can put out. 720 coins a minute at 100 tons of pressure every strike. That's crazy impact. All right. And that's what we're going to talk about today is, uh, is impact because that's been our theme for the year is impact and uh and that's what we as Eagle Drive Baptist Church truly desire to do is to be an impact. And uh, we desire to make an impact for the gospel here in Decatur and the surrounding areas in the world. Uh, and our goal in that sense does not end this year. Okay, Even though like this year ends and, uh, and the theme for this year you know, may not be the theme for next year, it doesn't end this year. You know, we, we, we don't be like, okay, well, we don't have to make an impact for the gospel anymore because it's 2021 now. Uh, no, we want to continue to make an impact just like we want to continue to thrive, just like we want to continue to keep Christ uh, 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 center of everything. And so we want to keep these uh, present in our minds. But how effective are churches at being uh, an impact? How effective is our church at being an impact? To determine that, I think the best way is to look at churches that have been an impact 
in their surrounding areas. And there's a church, there's several churches in the Bible that, that mentions uh, impacting churches. There's a congregation that we're going to look at today, and it's the congregation in, Thessal- in Thessalonica. Okay, This letter that we're going to be reading uh, today, 1 Thessalonians, don't worry, we're not going to read it all. But I do want to see some, uh, uh, some, some verses in uh, chapter 1, and then in chapter 3 and chapter 5. Uh, but we have to also determine how well we are individually at making an impact in those around us, okay? And because the church is made up of individuals, okay? It's, not, it's, it's a body, it's an assembly, it's a group, but that group is made up of individual people. And we need to make sure that we are being an impact and that we are doing the things that we are supposed to be doing to be an impact, that we are applying principles of the Bible uh, in our personal lives to make sure that we're being an impact uh, not just to the outside world, but also to the inside world and uh, to the inside, inside of these walls. And so turn to 1 Thessalonians if you're not there. I'm not there yet. Now I'm there. All right, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians was written by uh, Paul. And I'll give you a little bit of background. Paul and others had gone to preach the gospel at Thessalonica. They had bypassed on their way there, they had bypassed some smaller cities. And they did that on purpose because what Paul would do is he would go to a large city, he'd preach the gospel, he'd train people to go and share the gospel, and then he'd leave. And the expectation was that they would go out to the smaller areas around them and spread the gospel. And the church at Thessalonica was excellent at this, and we're going to see that here in just a little bit. And uh, Thessalonica was an important city. It was a major city. In Paul's day, there were about 200,000 people living there, and, and it was made up mainly of Greeks and Romans, but there was a very strong uh, minority of, of Jews present there too. And so Paul would go into the synagogue and start preaching, and, uh, and people would get saved, and they, uh, they'd start a church. There was a good amount of people that got saved there. And they started a church. They planted a church there in Thessalonica. And at this time in Judea, uh, the churches that were planted there, they were suffering persecution. And it wasn't any different for the church there in Thessalonica. As it began to grow, it began to, uh, to suffer persecution as well. Uh, Paul was urged to leave by, by the, uh, the new Christians there because he was getting death threats. Uh, they were seeking him to kill him, to persecute him. Uh, and so he did leave. And after some time, uh, Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. He sends, them, uh, he sends him for two reasons. He sends him as an encouragement for them to stay faithful amidst the persecution. But he sends them also to see how faithful they have been in that persecution. Um, and so Timothy returns to Paul. And Paul writes them this letter. Uh, that we're going to analyze tonight. And so I'd like to look at verses 1 through 6 right now. It says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the, Thess- the, the, the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all. Paul was a southerner. He said, you all. Anyway, uh, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction 
with joy of the Holy Ghost. All right? So Paul remembers in these first few verses that they had accepted the gospel in much affliction. The Christians there, the believers there in Thessalonica had received the gospel. Uh, They had converted to Christ. And because of that, they were enduring a lot of affliction. But amidst all that affliction, there were still more people getting saved because they realized that following Christ, no matter what persecution came, was worth it all. So... Uh, He remembers that they were persecuted because they changed beliefs. There were Jews there that turned from Judaism to Christ. There were pagan Greeks and Romans that turned from their false gods to, uh, uh, to the one true God and began worshiping Jesus. Both groups of people were being persecuted for their faith. And in all of this, Paul commends their faithful and loving work. And this is all just for introduction purposes. Okay, The verse that I'd really kind of like to to kick off with is this next verse, verse 7. It says that so you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And, uh, and so when I find funny words, I like to look them up. And, uh, and so this is how like, my weird journeys on dictionary.com and encyclopedias and whatnot happen. Okay? And this is how I ended up researching the U.S. Mint and researching the, uh, the Shelby Mint that they use that, that goes 720 times a minute. And, uh, and goes from ranges from 35 tons to 100 tons. It's all from this verse right here. And you I'd say, Brother Mike, that didn't say anything about coins, anything about money, or anything about the U.S. Mint. And you're right. But that word in samples, I always just thought it meant examples. I was like, well, you know, they didn't know how to spell, you know, or something. Or, you know, that's an that's a old way to say example. And it's synonymous with example, but not because of the reasons that you would think. So I looked it up this week. And sure enough, I was like, wow, you know, this is pretty cool. The word in sample uh, means this. To die, not like to die, but to strike a die. To scar, to make an impact. All right? Uh, So it's a die. As when a coin is made, they start off with blanks, just smooth pieces of metal. Okay, depending on what kind of what kind of coin it's going to be, what kind of metal it is, uh, they're just flat, smooth metal circles with no inscriptions, no images, nothing on them. It's just blank. It looks like a like a washer that hasn't been drilled out. All right, and uh, it takes great impact for these coins to take on the image of the die. The church at Thessalonica was a die, and they struck hard everyone that they come in contact with. Okay, everyone that they came in contact with. They impacted their community, but they also impacted not just Thessalonica, but the surrounding areas as well. Uh, look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, So that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay? So not only was it uh, uh, Thess- uh, Thessalonica that they were impacting, they were impacting uh, uh, Macedonia, they were impacting uh, the, the vicinity of, uh, of Achaia, but then verse 8 says that their impact reached them even further than that. It says, for, you, uh, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. How impactful was the church at Thessalonica? Paul and his crew, whenever somebody from the Thessalonian church had been in that city, Paul and his crew didn't have to preach because everybody already knew what Paul and his crew preached because the Thessalonians had come and preached that. All right? Um, Wherever Paul went, the people were telling him about the faith of the believers in Thessalonica. 
At the time of Paul writing this, he was being slandered. Okay, Chapter 2 is, is a chapter that's kind of dedicated to Paul reminding the Thessalonians how his conduct was when he was there. Because he was only there, they estimate, for about three months to a month and a uh, Sorry, three weeks to a month and a half. That's all the time that Paul had in Thessalonica before he was run out. And, uh, and in that time, he, he goes back and, uh, and he hears of their faithfulness and he writes them a letter of encouragement, which is 1 Thessalonians. And, and he reminds them in chapter 2, we're not going to read through it all, but when you, when you get a chance, read through it. Uh, it's, it's all reminding them, hey, when I was there, this is what we did. This is how we conducted ourselves. This is how we acted. This is how we preached to you. And uh, because why? Because his name was being slandered there. Uh, in Thessalonica and in other places. And so he was suffering persecution as well. And the testimony of the faithfulness and love uh, and the impact of the Thessalonian church was so great that in his persecution, that in Paul's persecution, when Paul heard of the good news of the Thessalonians, he received comfort as well. Turn over to chapter 3 and look at verse 7. It says, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Paul, who was being persecuted, Paul, who was being run out of cities, Paul, who was uh, under, under threat of death, and his group, uh, uh, Silvanus and Timotheus, they're comforted because of the faithfulness that uh, uh, the church at Thessalonica had. But what is it that made this church so impactful? I believe we find that throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you read it, you'll find it. You'll see different things that made them impactful. But I think it's put concisely in chapter 5 what made them impactful to each other. And, uh, and one of the things that is kind of logical when you're thinking of a die is that a die can't be made of loose objects. Okay, The dies that, that, that put the stamp and put the imprint on a coin are solid, hardened steel that they carve the relief in, and then and it hits. And they're good for thousands of hits, thousands of strikes on the face of a coin, on the face of a blank. And, uh, and it's hardened steel that they make that with. It's not loose pebbles. It's not something squishy. Okay, You can't strike a coin with pebbles and make, a, make an impact. You can't strike a coin with a whole bunch of Play-Doh and make a mark. Okay, it's got to be something hard that is together, that is unified, that is strong. And, um, and so Paul mentions some things that they need to keep on doing and that they need to keep on uh, showing within their congregation themselves to be strong, to continue to make an impact in the areas around them. And I think we find those best in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. So we're going to look at three verses in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and that's it. Um, so he gives a list. Look at verse 11. Sorry, I lied. It's four verses. Verse 11. We'll start with verse 11. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as ye do. Paul begins to say, keep on building each other up. Keep on building on each other as you have been doing. He's encouraging them to do the things that they've been doing and continue to build on each other. All right? Uh, then he begins to give a list of things that will help them to continue to build on each other and to continue to be an impact on each other uh, in the church and therefore on the world 
around them. And we find these in verses 12 through 14. So I want to look at verse 12 and 13 first. It says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. So he starts off with uh, the leadership there. He says, appreciate those that are doing God's work among you. Okay, that word know, uh, it says, we beseech you, brethren, to know. The word know uh, means to be aware of, to properly see, to appreciate. Okay, he says, no, be aware of the people uh, that are teaching you. It says, know them that, that labor among you. Be aware of the people that are doing work among you. Look around your congregation. Look at the people that are working around you. Be aware of them, but not just be aware of them. Appreciate them. Uh, and, and we're going we're to see in verse, in verse 13 here in just a little bit what that appreciation means. Okay, he says, but appreciate those which labor among you and those that are over you in the Lord and those that admonish you. Okay, so Paul says, first off, you need to appreciate your pastors, your teachers, your mentors, those Christians who are working around you and those fellow brothers and sisters who are calling you out whenever you're wrong. Because that's what that word admonish means. It means to gently reprove. It means to get on to. Gently. It doesn't mean to jump down somebody's throat, okay? Don't be like, aha, I now have uh, freedom to just throttle somebody and be like, you're wrong, you're saying, okay? No, it means to admonish, to warn gently, all right? Um, to caution and reprove gently. Appreciate those people and don't take them for granted. Be aware that they're there. Be aware of the work that they're doing. He continues in verse 13, it says, Esteem them very highly in love. Esteem means to consider or to judge. The word translated highly means excessively, violently, exceedingly high above measure, vehemently, passionately. In other words, God, through Paul, says, I beg you, appreciate your pastor, your leaders, and those spiritual people in your church that teach you and call you out when you're wrong, Consider them worthy of excessive, over-the-top, and passionate love. Why? What's in the next phrase? For their work's sake. Okay? For their work's sake. This keeps creaking. Um, it says, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Um, a lot of people don't know what pastor does. Um, most people in most churches don't know the half of it, maybe even a quarter of what, what it means to be a pastor. Um, um, I've never been a pastor, but I've lived with one most of my life. Uh, my dad uh, was a pastor, and, uh, and so I've, I lived with my dad and saw the things that he went through, and now I work closely with, with Pastor Chris, and so I get to see. And so I don't get to see it from his point of view because I'm not in his shoes I get to see a lot of what people don't see. And, uh, and sometimes I wish that people could spend a month in our pastor's shoes. Um, it's not simply leading a corporation. It's not just being a CEO of a company. Uh, it's a calling that's placed on a man by God. <coughs> a calling that carries with it a burden of responsibility unlike anything else there is out there. Uh, it's a responsibility to lead and train an assembly of people in God's word. And to not misuse God's word and not misinterpret God's word. And that's a heavy responsibility and a heavy burden uh, in and of itself. 
There's also the responsibility to pray and care for the souls that are part of that congregation. A responsibility to study God's Word thoroughly and to have the wisdom to apply it to the needs of the congregation. A responsibility to live blamelessly among the people and the community he serves. A responsibility to have the wisdom to balance all those responsibilities uh, that have been mentioned with the proper care for his own family and his own walk with God. And then on top of that, to deal with attacks from Satan. To deal with attacks uh, uh, on his person, attacks on his family, attacks from non-believers, attacks from outside the church, attacks from inside the church. And I've just described every faithful pastor that there is out there that ever has been and ever will be. Those are things that Paul dealt with. Those are things that the disciples dealt with. Those are things that, that, that the church in Jerusalem dealt with. Those are things that, that the pastor, whoever it was, the pastor of the church of Thessalonica dealt with. Those are things that every faithful Bible-based pastor deals with. And that's just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Not to mention the spiritual strain and drain that needs to be dealt with or the emotional strain that comes uh, with all of this as well. And yet we have the gall to tell our pastor sometimes, well, you know, I really don't know if you're doing enough. Um, maybe, you should, maybe you should add this to the plate. And uh, without considering the things that he's already gone through, uh, considering that we have the nerve to go and complain about the dumbest things as soon as we walk in the door in the, uh, of the building in the morning without so much as a good morning. And look, we've all been guilty of it. Sometimes Satan get, gets us on his side and we just get critical of everything without considering. And so it was happening, I'm sure, in the church at Thessalonica. And so Paul reminds them, remember, be aware of what's going on. Be aware of those that labor among you for the work's sake and appreciate them, esteem them highly, very highly in love. If we expect to make an impact as a church, we've got to be strongly united behind our spiritual leaders. We don't like to consider anyone over us. Uh, nobody likes to. Nobody, nobody likes to, to, to use the phrase, that person is over me. And yet God uses it very directly. Uh, look at what the Bible says. Um, verse 12, chapter 5, says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And so there is spiritual leadership. There are spiritual leaders. Our pastors are spiritual leaders. Uh, the Bible uses the phrase on purpose. Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. The next verse deals with how we treat everybody else. Uh, verse 14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Warn them that are unruly. The word means insubordinate. Okay? People that can't be ruled. Okay? People that are just stubborn, doing their own thing. The Bible says, warn them. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor, on Sunday, mentioned that one of the things that, that denotes that we are in a judgmental attitude and in a judgmental culture, and that we've adopted that culture for our own, is if we adopt the attitude of, well, it's not my place to tell them that they're wrong. That's a part of being judgmental. We've got to not jump down somebody's throat, but we have the responsibility of warning somebody, hey, you're doing wrong. Okay? Nobody's going to watch their kid you know, walk towards the edge of a pool and just watch and be like, yeah, he's going to drown. No, what's going to happen? We're going to say, hey, get away from there. Hey, get away from there. You've got to warn. Sometimes it needs to be shocking. 
But we've got to admonish, we've got to warn those that are unruly. Um, we don't have the excuse of saying, well, that just isn't my responsibility, because yes, it is our responsibility. It says so right here. Uh, it's not talking to the pastor. This verse isn't talking to the pastor of the church. It's talking to every Christian that's there in Thessalonica. And it continues and it says, comfort the feeble-minded. Uh, that word means faint-hearted. We're to be encouragers. And you say, well, I just don't have the gift of exhortation. I don't either. And I find it hard to encourage people sometimes. Um, uh, but we have to try. We have to look to encourage people some way. Uh, there are people that are faint-hearted among us. And we've got to search them out. We've got to look for people that are down, that are discouraged. And, and for what? To help them. To encourage them in the Lord. Um, we are to lift up those brothers and sisters that are down. Um, one of the things that, that the Bible says about Jonathan and David is that they encouraged each other in the Lord. That's what their relationship was about. They built each other up spiritually. When one was down, the other one was there to encourage them, and, and, and vice versa. There are many times when David was down because Saul's dad or, or Jonathan's dad, Saul the king, was, was out after him to kill him, and, and Jonathan encouraged David in the Lord. There were times when Jonathan was down because his father was after his best friend, and there were times where, where David encouraged uh, Jonathan in the Lord. But then the verse continues. It says, support the weak. It means hold fast, hold on to. That word support is, is to build up around and hold on to the weak. Don't let them fall. We're to be a support, not a critic of weak Christians. This would include the new Christians that haven't grown much yet, the Christians who are struggling with certain sins or attitudes, the Christians who have never taken a step outside their comfort zone and are weak in the faith. We're to be a support to those Christians. Warren Wearsby uh, uh, said this about this verse. It says, We must take hold of these weak believers and help them stand and walk in the Lord. This kind of personal ministry is not easy. And so Paul added some wise counsel to encourage us as we try to encourage and support others. It's the last phrase there. It says, Be patient toward all men. We are to, loving, uh, to be loving and patient toward each other. You see a brother or sister that needs warned? Be patient and loving. Do it with patience and do it with love. So you see a brother that needs encouragement? Do it in patience and do it in love. We see a, a, a Christian that is, that is weak? We need to do it in patience and do it in love. Support them that way. Uh, are we tired of reaching out to the same person over and over again that needs help in their walk with the Lord? We've got to continue to do that in patience and in love. Why? Because of verse 11. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Paul was like, look, y'all are already doing these stuff, these things. Keep on doing them. We're very familiar with the, with the, with the verses uh, uh, 16 and on. that talk about pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore. But before all of that, Paul says, make sure you're doing these things. Why? Because it creates unity in the church. The Thessalonians needed unity because they were being pressed from the outside. They were being persecuted from the outside. And they had a mission to do. They needed strength because they needed to make an impression. It's different to present the gospel than it is to present the gospel with boldness. 
You know, when, when Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, he wasn't just like, hey, uh, hey y'all, listen, you know, I got something to tell you. And Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah. He died on the cross. The Bible said that with boldness, he got up. And he just let God speak through him. And he was bold about it. When, when Peter and John get arrested and get taken before uh, uh, the, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're surprised. They're like, these guys are just fishermen. Why are they speaking like this? They're unlearned men. They, they don't have an education. Why are they so bold in the way that they're preaching, in the way that they're sharing this? There's a difference in just saying, hey, you know, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. And going to somebody, and I'm not saying knock on somebody's door and start yelling at them as soon as they come out the door. But be bold about it. Don't be shy about it. Be bold about it. And I'm preaching to myself too. I don't like to talk to people that I don't know. It's hard for me. I don't like to bother people that I do know. Unless I really know you, then I'll just bother you. But I don't like to bother people. I don't think anybody just really likes to be a nuisance to people. (laughs) But for the most part, we want to make people happy. We don't want people to be mad at us. We don't want people to be angry at us. We don't want people to be upset at us. But you know what? That's part and parcel with being a Christian. The Thessalonians knew... If I give up this and I follow Jesus, they're going to come after me. And they did it anyway. Because of the persecution of the, of the Thessalonians, the other communities around them knew, we're going to get persecuted. But the boldness was so great. The passion was so much. The impact was so There that the Achaeans, the Macedonians, and everywhere the the Thessalonians went, people were getting saved. And not just some people here and some people there. Whole communities, whole cities knew what they were preaching. To the point that Paul and Silas and and, uh, Silvanus would go into there, and they'd start preaching, and they'd be like, oh yeah, we know that. Thessalonians came by. To the point they didn't have to preach. They they were there as a follow-up crew to the church at Thessalonica. Look, it's necessary because I can't strike, I can't make a die to strike a coin out of loose pebbles. I can't make a die to strike a coin out of Plato or clay. A coin is struck using hardened steel. Uh, every molecule supports the other and it's used to make an impression to be an ensample, a scarring to the coin blank which takes its image permanently. Even in the low-tech ways of minting coins and striking coins, we have coins and we have uh, images of coins. We have coins that are preserved that are thousands of years old that still have the image on there. How can we be an impact on the outside of this building if we're not strong on the inside? We can't support and encourage And love and pray for your pastor and his family as he seeks to lead us where God is leading him. In the coming year, there's going to be opportunities to join discipleship groups. Groups to show you how to 
study the Bible, how to go through your Bible and, and, and not just to read it, just to read it, but to get something out of it. Groups that are going to uh, show you how to take somebody else and, and, and bring them up and you disciple them. Take a part of those groups. Don't shy away from it. Commit to them. It's going to be hard. But in the end, it will bond us more together. We'll be able to make so much more of an impact. Don't pass the opportunities. Uh, 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 join in. If you're weak, let others help you make you strong. If you're unruly, accept the admonition of the others. If you're here and you're strong in humility and in patience and in love, encourage those that aren't and hold those up that are weak. Warn those that aren't right so that they can be strengthened and in turn strengthen you. We need a strong church so we can make a strong impression of a strong God who offers a strong salvation. Um, let's pray.